Welcome back to We Might Have Answers. What's up, guys? We're so stoked to be here. I'm here with the one, the only Hudson Turnage. What's the man, up? the myth, the loser. <laughs> wow. Welcome back to the stream, boys. Playing some Fortnite. Oh my gosh, please stop. <laughs> Already we're, we're, we're starting with that. Um, but I'm also here with a very special guest. I'll introduce her in just a second. Emma's not with us, unfortunately. No. She... She is uh, in Oklahoma and uh, at Collegiate Week, um, having a good time. She said, "But we miss her. Wish she was here." But we have a we have a, a just as good guest here with us today. Um, her name is Lauren Christina Edders. <laughs> yeah, give it up for Lauren. Hey y'all, um, I'm Lauren. Uh, I'm about to be a freshman in college. Um, I dance. For the University of Central Arkansas, and I'm really excited to be here. D1 athlete on our podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, I need y'all's opinion on something. If your name is spelled L-A-U-R-E-N, is it Lauren or is it Lauren? Because I call her Lauren, and I'm, I think I'm one of the only people who pronounce her name right. Here's Us the Arkansans thing. have the laziest tongues. Here's the thing. I am from Arkansas, and <laughs> if I say Lauren or Lauren... It doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, you're the wrong, expert. Okay. Lauren, also, what do you think? It's my own name, and I say Lauren. Ooh. That's just embarrassing that you're wrong. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we can move past that. You're just, already... Hey, on our next Q&A, everyone just put your um, your thoughts on that. Yeah, <laughs> our, our entire next podcast is going to be on Lauren versus Lauren. What scripture has to say about it? Yeah, what Brown the Bible... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, Um. yeah, guys, we're, we're excited to be back. It's been a minute. Um... And honestly, we're sorry for that. We we thought this summer would be a time of like, oh, we're able to have free time and get together and record a lot. And the thing is, we didn't have a lot of time to get together and record a lot. Um, this summer has been just insanely busy. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun. A lot of camps, a lot of um, just hanging out, doing fun stuff. Uh, a lot of growth, I'm sure. Hudson can attest to that as well, for myself at least. Um and yeah, it, it's been, it's been a minute. It's been over. I think it's longer than our last one, our last break. Yes. We can have life updates. Let's start with you, honey. Okay. So this summer has been super busy for me as well. I thought it was going to be a really chill summer where I could just get a job, um, maybe pursue a couple new hobbies, but I ended up going to a couple camps at the beginning of this, uh, summer. And yeah, I just got really convicted that like, I needed to be doing something ministry oriented here. So I've been serving under Emma's dad, actually, Steve Lassiter, as his like um, kids intern for the summer. And so I've been working in our kids ministry. That's been really, really fun. And also I've just been, I don't know, hanging out, discipling people. Um, This summer has been like crazy up and down for me. Like usually summer is just like this spiritual high, like all summer, because I'm going to all these camps. It's awesome. But like this summer has been the most realistic summer. I've just had like really high moments, really low moments, and it's been like a roller coaster. I'm in a really good place right now because, I mean, I feel like if you can get through the lowest of lows and the highest of highs, you can kind of find a middle ground where you're just kind of steady, and that's where I'm at right now. And so, yeah, this summer's been really, really fun. About to go to CBC, moving in in four days. And, yeah, I'm just really excited to see what's in store. Um, My internship ends also like in a couple weeks. And so, yeah, I would love to find another ministry opportunity. I definitely want to keep doing this podcast. And I don't know. I'm excited for what the future holds. Yeah. 
tell us tell us the highlight of your summer the the one thing that stood out the most fun or most exciting um the highlight of my summer was probably the choir tour i just i yeah. feel like that's where i found some good community but that's also where i was like i don't know every single day it felt like at the choir tour i was moved by the gospel which it had been a little while since i'd been like so moved by the gospel but that that week kind of wrecked me i, I just realized like how important it is to share the gospel and how powerful it is because I kind of just started becoming accustomed to it. And so um, I'm sad to say that like maybe the month after I kind of fizzled out in my excitement of that, but I don't know. I feel like you're in a really good place when the gospel constantly brings you to tears when it constantly is reminding you of just how awesome that is. And so I think I'm back at a point where I, I really think about that often, but yeah, that was my highlight of the summer. Yeah, choir tour is great. We went to, I can't remember if we've recorded since then. No. Um, I don't think we have, but the choir tour we went on, we went to the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area and basically sang um, praise the Lord, sang worship songs all around that area. The cool thing about it is we actually didn't go to a single church, um, which you would think, oh, you're going on a worship choir tour. You would go sing for churches. No, we went to like nursing homes and campgrounds and Dollywood of all places and, and got to sing um, several songs that we practiced for months on months on months. Um, so much so that I really, sorry, Greg, but I can't listen to those songs anymore. <laughs> um, House of the Lord is out of the rotation for me. Um, but no, it was a great time. Hudson's right. I think a lot of us grew just in our, our faith, in our quiet times, in our um, understanding of the gospel. And we also got to share the gospel a lot there. We got to do street evangelism. It was really cool. But yeah, great time. Um, I'm, that was one of my highlights as well. But Lauren, for those of you that don't know, Lauren is um, Emma's best friend. Um, they've been friends for, she's getting upset with me for some reason. I'm not sure why. Tell me why. I thought we were all best friends. Oh, too. Well, yeah. Yeah, we're all best friends, but obviously you and you and Emma have a close bond. And so that's why she's here. She's she's just as great as Emma is, just as um we're we're excited that she's here. And so yeah, tell us your life update even though this is your first time. Tell us tell us what's going on in your life. Um so yeah, me and Emma have been best friends for a long time. I wouldn't say just as good. She she's she's pretty cool, but You're, she's um, they're great. They're equally great. This summer has been probably one of the craziest summers just with um going to college there's a lot of news and a lot of olds um that I have to just put away and it's really hard um but I do feel like the Lord has put me in a place of ministry in my uh dance group I just joined um I've already gotten to see just the way that these people interact with each other it's a great bond we have and we already have quite a few that are coming um to church with me uh, soon and I feel like the Lord has just kind of placed me there for a reason and I'm so excited about it I already love everybody on the team and um, I've met some of my closest friends there um, one of my best friends her name's Jenna shout out she listens uh, she hey, Jenna. <laughs> she is uh, one of the best like Christian influences in my life and I've kind of got to see us get closer to and there's a lot of other girls on the team that um, have just had such an impact in my summer for sure yeah Lauren's always used her dance as like her um, field of ministry, which I've always thought is really cool um, because it's obviously not a place that's generally, um, and I may be wrong, you can correct me, but like it's not a place that's like known for, you know, believers being open about their faith. So it's really cool and we're excited for her to get to go to UCA and continue that. 
Um, me, I'll give you a quick life update, and then we've got to get some questions rolling because we're uh, we've got a lot. Um, I, I've just been working this summer. I work for Sumo. Um, we've just had a. It's been a busy um, few months because our 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 Kaleo, which is like our big summer long um, tr- training, like college students go basically to Florida and a few other areas and just get to be poured into for literally three months. It's really cool program if you're going into college i encourage you to check out stumo um it's it's a great organization and anybody that gets plugged into it i think would benefit from it but yeah just been working been to infuge over a couple months ago choir tour um been hanging out with friends been uh pouring into the college ministry here at, at woodland heights and i mean it's been a pretty relaxed summer i'll be honest like i i said it's been busy but it's been a lot of stuff that has allowed me to, I don't know, grown my faith. Almost everything I've done this summer, I haven't done anything like leisure wise. It's been camps, it's been choir tour, it's been discipleship, it's been, well, I say that we play a lot of disc golf, me and Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, like we have good conversations on the, on the disc, disc golf course. We, uh, it, yeah, it's just been a great summer. Truly. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm sad that it's over, but the school year is going to bring a lot of new stuff, a lot of new fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. One more thing before we get into the questions to those of you, we're all three wearing our, we might have answers shirts right now. And we're all using the same journals. Oh, I just noticed that too. Yeah. We all have the same journals, all have the same shirt. Cade is, uh, doing our, our sound today and he's not wearing his shirt, unfortunately, but I think he was boycotting, um, wearing his shirt until we recorded an episode, which is completely fair to be honest. Um, but yeah, to those of you that ordered the shirts and got them, I think we still have one more that we haven't been able to deliver, but we'll get that to you, I promise. Um, no. Um, sorry, I was answering Hudson. But yeah, I, also there's a few of you I know that have said you want us to reopen the store, and here's the thing. There's like a vengeful side of me that wants to be like, no, it's exclusive merch, and you should have ordered it when we had it open for a month. <laughs> But there's another part of me that's like, I get it. You want to see the shirt before you buy it. It's understandable. And we, I've already talked to so many people that have had conversations just because of people seeing their shirts and saying, what does that mean? And they've gotten to point them towards the podcast, which is our goal with the merch. And so we'll probably open it back up maybe for a couple of weeks. Uh, we tried to make them as affordable as possible. And they're super cheap for comfort colors. And I love them. They're super, super cool. Super cool colors. Really great logo. Lego logo. Lego. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you to those who ordered the merch and hopefully we'll be able to open that, that back up soon. But with that said, I think we dive into some questions. Um, we're going to do another rapid fire kind of question thing like we did the last time because it's been a couple months and we have a bunch that have built up. So let's go ahead and dive in. First question guys and Hudson, I'll let you let you lead this one off. The question is how do I, Oh, that is not the right question. <laughs> I'm on the wrong page. Um, here's the question. How do I trust God's plan for my life? When I see people around me getting married, having children, doing exactly what I want to do in my life, how do I trust God's plan when he doesn't have that for me yet? Um, do you want to go ahead and share your bit? Yeah. And then I'll share mine. I can. Um, I think we have not a different perspective, but like Josh's is more encouraging. (laughs) Hudson apparently is going to be pretty harsh, but I'll, I'll tell you what I said. Um, and honestly, my beginning is pretty harsh. I would say to you, whoever's asking this question, um, it sounds like what you're asking instead of 
how do I trust God's plan is how do I trust God's plan when I'm actually placing far more value on the plan that I have for myself. Um, and there's a really simple answer to this, and it's one that you're probably not going to want to hear. I've been in this position, but in order to trust God's plan, you have to actually trust God's plan. Um, and I know that sounds redundant, but it, it, it truly is the truth. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Um, and so right there, we're, we're being told, like, your plan for your life is not going to be um, probably one that lines up with the Lord's. I mean, that's just how we're, how we're designed. Um, we're, we're not designed to go towards, um, things like godliness and holiness. Like we're, we're designed to pursue things of the world and get upset when we don't, we're not married yet and get upset when we don't have something that we think we, we need or desire. Um, and along with that, the question of like, I see people around me, everybody's getting married, everybody's getting engaged. I've been there. Um, Obviously, we've talked about it before. I desire marriage. I desire to have kids someday. And when you're in that mind, in that uh, headspace, it's so easy to look around and see, oh, this person's getting engaged. I'm not. Everyone else is. I'm single. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. And it's an illusion. It really is, especially living in small town Arkansas. The pressure is, I think, even higher than if you lived elsewhere. Um, the South really pressures you to get married at 22 and have kids by 25. Um, and that's just not the case for a lot of people. And what I'll say, um, just an example, let's say you're driving down the road and you know the game Slugbug where if you see a, a what are they called? Um, beetle. Beetle, a Volk, Volkswagen Beetle. Um, you're playing Slugbug, you see one, you hit somebody. That's the game. Um, if you're driving down the road not playing Slugbug, how often do you notice a, a Volkswagen Beetle? Um, rarely. I mean, they're not that cool of cars. So. Um, Hudson loves them, but, um, they're not that cool of cars, so you're not really going to notice them. But if you're playing that game, you will be so focused that you see every single one that drives past you. And the same thing goes with this whole, um, everyone's getting engaged. Everyone's getting married and having kids. If that's your focus, of course, you're going to see it. Of course, you're going to notice every time someone gets engaged. Um, if you're so focused on making that happen in your own life, when in reality, if you'll just trust God's plan and say, okay, God, I'm going to be obedient to you first. Marriage comes later if you see fit. Then I think you'll you'll be less prone to notice it every single time it happens. It'll affect you less negatively and more so. You will you might be happy for the people um, that are getting engaged. So I think it's that's just, if your focus is there, you're going to notice it, especially if you're in a negative headspace about that. But yeah, um, that's my spill. When I, when I read this question, kind of what I thought of is to trust somebody or to trust something and to trust God's plan for your life. Like you first have to know them to be trustworthy, which I know God to be trustworthy, but why do many of us not know God to be trustworthy? And I kind of thought through that. And I think it's because we're not trusting in God for who he actually is. We're trusting in a God we've formulated in our minds. We've trusted who we've imagined God to be. And kind of the way I came to this conclusion is the other day I was reading uh, Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Great book. It's a great book. And so Screw Tape is a demon, and he's writing to his nephew, Wormwood. And so he's like, my dear Wormwood, if you can just have this guy pray to a god, a vague god that he's constructed in his own mind, rather than the god of the universe, then you have him right where you want him. And I had to kind of think about that. I was like, what? What does that mean? And so basically, like, 
Satan loves more than anything else for us to worship God for what we think he is rather than for who he really is. And so the moment that we have a God we've constructed in our mind, like, of course, he's going to let us down because we're holding him to characteristics that, that he doesn't, that he doesn't hold. Like maybe we have a God of prosperity in our mind. And so when he doesn't, um, give us prosperity, then we're like mad at him. And so what I think is, I think we hold him to promises and we hold him to attributes that are not of him because we've constructed him to be that in our mind. And so the easiest way to know that God is trustworthy is to look at the promises he's actually made. He never promised to give you children. He never promised to give you a husband or a wife. He never promised that life was going to be easy. He did, however, promise that he would never leave or forsake you. He promised that there would be trials and tribulations. And so when they come, we shouldn't be surprised. Like that's literally him fulfilling his promises. So if we looked at the things he's actually promised and the things that happen in our lives, we won't be let down. The moment we're let down is when the God we've constructed in our mind doesn't match up with the God that the God, the God of the universe, the God that he knows himself to be. And so I think the part of um, screw tape letters that convicted me the most is screw tape said to his, his nephew, he was like the moment that he prays a prayer, like God, I praise you for not who I've constructed you to be, but for who you know yourself to be. And I was just like, dang, we can never fully grasp who God is. We can never fully know him. Obviously, we can get to know him to better trust him. But really, the only person who's ever going to know God is God himself. And so, I mean, we're never going to fully grasp who he is. So part of that is faith and trust in God. But like, man, that hit me hard because really all the times that I've been let down or mad at God, it's because he didn't fulfill what I had in my mind he was going to fulfill. Nothing he promised me. So he, he wasn't letting me down. It was me letting myself down. And so I just thought that was a really cool perspective to come at it with. And I wouldn't have even thought about it if I wouldn't have been reading this book. Love C.S. Lewis. He really makes me think outside of the normal box that I would think inside. So, Yeah, that's really good. I think um, Lauren could probably offer a perspective that me and Hudson can't just from a girl's perspective. So, yeah, take it away. Um, so, like, from a female perspective and about be a freshman if it was like my plan I'd want to ring by spring and I would want to <laughs> have kids by uh next August so if I could do that but please don't I will not <laughs> um but how I trust in God's plan is I remember that the Lord places this longing in my heart he places this like I guess not burn but like a this like waiting something I've always wanted is to have kids I cannot wait to raise kids I can't wait to um have a loving and god-fearing household like I that's something that is just it brings me so much joy to think about and so I want it now like I want to be grown up and now but I know that he wouldn't have placed this longing in my heart if he didn't have his timing right so because I want it now I want to start dating maybe the wrong guys or I want to start um rushing things and not waiting for his timing but I know that his timing and who he has set out for me is so much better than my timing and who I think he has set out for me. So I just wait and I trust that, you know, he's given me this burden in my heart that I know that one day, hopefully, it's going to be fulfilled. But um, I also use this time of singleness. And I know that everybody's heard Paul talk about singleness as a gift. And it's kind of annoying because it just tries to make you feel better about not having somebody. But it truly is a gift. Like I get to use so much time to... Uh, pour into friends, have friends pour into me, like just, just time that I wouldn't have if I was in a relationship. And so truly using this time to better yourself in preparation for marriage, 
to better yourself in preparation just for dating and just pouring into friends and friends pouring into you and just using it. So that's about it. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, nobody likes to hear that singleness is a gift, but really it is. And if you're not using it wisely, then I wouldn't expect the Lord to um, provide anything. I mean, he, he's given you this season for a reason. Oh, that rhymed. Um, so use it wisely. And I promise, like, you're going to get out of it what he wants you to get out of it. And that could be marriage. That could be a relationship. It could not be. But one thing I'll say that I think might provide some comfort is people who are called to singleness are generally the people that I've met know that they're called to singleness. Like as a believer, you gain new desires that are in line with the Lord's. Um, now that doesn't mean that every single one of your desires doesn't come from, it could come from a place of, of pride or, or sin or whatever it may be. But if you desire marriage and children, um, I would venture to say that you're not called to singleness. And it might just be that you have baggage that you need to get rid of before you, you pursue a, a relationship. It might be that you're just not in, um, the Lord isn't finished you, finish using you where you are in your singleness yet. And so if you desire marriage, if you desire kids, um, take comfort in that the majority of you will get married. The more majority of you will have children. Some of you might not, and that's okay because at the end of the day, it's it, that's not what we're here for. We're not here to get married and have kids. That's a gift from the Lord that we can be blessed with, and we need to use that wise, wisely as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is something that I think everyone around this age struggles with. It's especially because it seems like all of your friends and your family are getting married and you're left in the dust. And it's just not the case. Um, there are far more single people than there are married people um, at, at this age. Um, and so don't don't stress about it. I know that's so much easier said than done, but truly take this season, use it, learn, grow, deepen your faith, um, go serve, like just dive headfirst into serving. You have so much more free time than you. If you get married, man, your free time is going to tank. Um, especially if you have kids. So, so use this time wisely. Go serve. Go get plugged in everywhere that you can. Um, get discipled. Um, just do do the things that you're called to do. Yeah. But yeah, good job, guys. That was that was a really good answer um, from both of you. And um, yeah, now we dive into a little bit of a more, um, I don't know what you would call it, but we'll go ahead and just dive in. The question is, how can God be omnipresent yet not in the presence of sin. Hudson, you want to take the lead on this one? Yeah. I mean, initially when I heard this question, uh, my first, I think I was with Josh and I was like, Josh, is that even in the Bible? Like it doesn't anywhere. Does it say like God can't be in the presence of sin? Cause I've heard that in church quite a few times. And he was like, I don't think so. And so come to find out that phrase word for word is not in the Bible. But I mean, there are scriptures that kind of, um, you could maybe could could lead you to believe that that's what they're saying. And so I actually looked at this from a lot of different angles and yeah, I'll just give you this information and you come to the conclusion um, yourself, I guess. Yeah. So the first example is like in Job, Satan himself approached God. It says that um, the sons of God came and with, with them came Satan to the Lord. And so the fact that Satan himself, like he is literally a being of sinfulness, like he is the definition of going against God. And so, I mean, if Satan can be in God's presence, then why can, why would you even think that a mere human sinner can't be in his presence? So that's my first point. Um, my second point is, he's got five of them. <laughs> I have quite a few. <laughs> so in Revelations, um, 
20, 11 through 15. So when God um, judges us for what we've done, it's talking about that. So if he can't be in the presence of sinners, then how is he going to judge sinners? Is he going to judge them from afar? Is he going to judge them from another place? No, he's going to be in the presence of sinners to judge them. And so there's just another example that he can be in the presence of sinners. Um, another example, which just, I don't know what Kate is listening to over there, but I can hear it through his headphones. Kate is jamming out. On, <laughs> it sounds like electric guitar. Oh my goodness. I don't think y'all can hear it, but it's pretty loud. Anyways, I don't think you can hear us. Carry on. He's literally oblivious to what we're talking about right now, but it's okay. So the next point, um, involves the incarnation so the fact that jesus came down to earth as a man and so if you believe in the trinity if you believe jesus is god um jesus was around sinners all the time there's literally a verse in luke 15 1 and it says and the tax collectors and sinners gathered to hear him speak so he was literally regularly accustomed surrounded with um sinners and so if he's surrounded by sinners and jesus is god then god can be in the presence of sinners and then Finally, believers still sin. So if Jesus, if God can't be in the presence of sinners, then suddenly he can't be in the presence of any humans at all. Because though we're saved by grace, like we're still going to sin. We're still sinners by nature. And so believers and unsaved alike, all of a sudden God can't be in the presence of any of us. And so I just think that that argument has kind of all been born from this one verse in Habakkuk 1.13. And so I'll just go ahead and read that to you. And this is the verse that many people use when they say, like, God can't be in the presence of sinners. Let me get my fatty Bible over here real quick. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. So this is in Habakkuk. He's talking about God. He says, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent? When the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. So this here, the prophet is crying out to the Lord and he's saying like, in the first part of the verse, it seems like he's saying like, you can't look upon sinners. But really what he's saying is you can't look favorably upon the sinners because in the next verse, it says, why do you idly look at traitors? So he's making an appeal to God's character. He knows that God eventually will punish sinners. But here it's God working through the Babylonians to bring his people to repentance. But the prophet here is just crying out to the Lord, and he's like, why? Why are you allowing these sinners to prevail? I know that you are pure and holy, and you cannot look upon sinners favorably, so why are you allowing this to happen? And so here, he's just crying out to the Lord, and so many people read that and say like, oh, he can't look upon sinners. Well, no. Here, he's just making an appeal to God's character. He knows that in the end, God does not look upon sinners favorably, but sometimes God does use sinful people to accomplish his will, and that's what's happening here. And so, yeah, God can be in the presence of sinners. He is all the time. And I just think that was kind of, like Josh said earlier, we, we look at uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's kind of... He stole my thunder. I didn't know you were going to say that. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's kind of the same deal. Like, we just take a phrase and roll with it, and we never really examine it for what it is or what it's even saying or what that entails and so i think that's just another example of that yeah i think that was good um and i think again we don't ever want y'all to take what we say as um 100 truth like go go 
if you if you disagree with us, go find it and, and talk to us about it. If you don't have a clue what we're talking about it, go find it and and research and and study this because I think what Hudson said that I I like the most is just as the Trinity like as when I when I became a Christian like the Holy Spirit from that moment resided within me like God the Holy Spirit is God Jesus is God God is God God the Father Son Holy Spirit and so if God can't be in the presence of sinners does the Holy Spirit really reside within me that's a question you have to ask if that's what you're saying and I just don't think it's found anywhere in the Bible it's just one of those I don't know where it comes from the random phrases that get thrown around that sound biblical so people take them as biblical um, and that's why, again, our the back of our shirts right now say test and hold fast. Test against Scripture, everything you hear. Whatever your, what your pastor says, what your parents say, what your friends say, if it has to do with the Bible, test it against the Bible because um, things can be misconstrued very, very quickly. But, yeah, um, Lauren, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Not really. I feel like, <laughs> like you kind of covered that. Yeah, I did a good job. Um, I think just flat out, the phrase God cannot be in the presence of sinners is not biblical or be in the presence of sin. Um, because he was from the very beginning, Adam and Eve sinned and he was in the garden with them. Um, so yeah, I think that's a pretty straightforward answer and Hudson did a really good job of, of covering sort of the, the basis of that. Um, so yeah, question number two, check. Third thing we're going to cover today is, and I think I wrote this one down wrong, so one of y'all can, um, Lauren's going to give it's, us this one. It's basically, um, how do you build others up if you don't know exactly what they're going through, like their circumstances? Yeah, you want to start us off on this one? Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, this is kind of straightforward, but I don't really feel like you need a reason to love thy neighbor, you know? Yeah. Like, you can love people better by knowing what they're going through and adapting to their circumstances and maybe giving different advice um, if they feel like they want to tell you or if you just know. But I I feel like you could go blindly into a room and you still need to be representing Christ and you still need to be showing love and kindness because truly you never know what people are going through. They could be in the highest of highs or the lowest of lows and you still need to be loving them. So, I mean, I feel like it's really straightforward, but... No, yeah. Most, most answers are. Yeah. This. Like it's... Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, you need to love regardless of knowledge. Um, and I actually wrote this one down wrong, but I think it's still, it still um, can be applied to this. Basically, what I wrote is how do we pray for someone when we don't know what, what's going on in their lives? Um, I think more often than not, we have this idea that we have to know someone's immediate physical or spiritual need in order to, like Lauren was saying, love them or care for them or pray for them, whatever it may be. And that's just not the case. And we see that with Paul um, in Colossians when he's in prison. I'm actually going to read this verse really quick. Um, right before this verse that I'm about to read, Paul Paul says something along the lines of, um, I have heard about what you have done. Like He's writing to the people of Colossae, and he says, I've heard about what you're doing, and he's commending them and praising them for um, their good works that they've been doing for the, for the Lord. And so we can assume based off context that Paul has never met these people. He's just heard about what they're doing. And so in verse, let's see, chapter one, verses nine through 10, it says, 
And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So here Paul isn't praying for specific healing or specific spiritual struggle. He's simply praying that they would grow in their knowledge of the Lord, they would bear fruit, they would make disciples, they would share the gospel, they, they would do what they're called to do. And so if you come in contact with someone or something that you don't know them well, or you are, are discipling them and they share, a, you know, you hear all the time, unspoken prayer requests. And I think Lauren made a good point. Like, it's okay if you have a relationship with this person to not pry, but like ask, are you willing to share what you're going through? And if they're not, that's perfectly fine. If they are, then you get an even closer look at what they're struggling with and you can pray more specifically, but prayer doesn't have to be specific. Like God knows, God is sovereign. God knows everything. And so when you're lifting someone up in prayer, like you can pray like Paul did and just say, I pray that this person would, um, grow in their knowledge of the, of the Bible, grow in the, the spirit, um, bear fruit, and they would be able to lean into the Lord and whatever they're going through, good or bad. And so, um, yeah, I think we just have this idea a lot of times, and I think it's probably just like the, I don't know, gossipy part of us. Like, I know when someone ha- shares an unspoken prayer request, I'll just be honest. Like, I want to know what it is. I mean, am I am I alone in that? Like, oh, yeah, I definitely yeah. know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, what are you going through? Go ahead and tell me. Like, but that's that's not our place. Like, the Lord knows if that person wants to share with you, then they will. And so, yeah, I think, I think that was a really good answer. I think... Um, you can pray broad, pray broadly, and it's it'll still be answered. Like the Lord is good, and He provides um, where He sees fits fits where He sees fit, and um, so don't feel like you have to know the specifics in order to pray for someone. Um, this question is great, but I also think this question um kind of reflects the attitude of the modern church right now, as far as evangelism goes. We think that we have to know every detail of the person's life and we have to build a relationship with them over X period of time. The weather has to be right. Our hair has to be fixed the right way. We have to be feeling good that morning to share the gospel with them. And I think that's like one of the biggest um, roadblocks to us sharing the gospel is we just, we think everything has to be perfect. We think we have to know every detail of their story to be able to be able to share with them. It's almost as if we've taken the power from the gospel and kind of just stripped it of all, all the power that it has in and of itself. And we put the pressure on ourselves of, we have to know everything about this person before we share the gospel with them. And I was at a Bible study the other night and somebody brought this up and I was like, that is a really good point. Like the biggest, I think that's the biggest um, shortcoming of, of the modern church is we just, like building relationships to get to gospel conversations is great, but we're not called to go and share the gospel, but only after you've built a three month relationship. Like we're just called to share the gospel and we put all these um, parameters on it ourselves. And so I just feel like this question reflects the fact that we, it's kind of in the name of comfort, I would say. Like, we're uncomfortable because we're like, what if this offends them because of this in their life or this in their life? Like, the gospel is offensive to sinners. It is because it calls out their sinful lifestyle. 
And so I don't think we have to know everything about them. I don't think we have to know their full background and what they're going through at that moment to share the gospel with them. Now, obviously, part of loving them well is to get to know them. But, I mean, if they don't want to get to know you and you've shared the gospel with them, then so be it. You've done your job. And so that was kind of a little rabbit trail I went on. But that's been something I've been thinking of since that Bible study the other night. It was it was a really good point. Like, everything does not have to perfectly fall in, into place for us to share the gospel. We're called to do it. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it's all circumstantial. Um there are times for relationship building in order to share the gospel. There are times for street evangelism, like to go and just, here's the gospel, here's what it is. I have no idea who you are or what you're going through, but this is what Jesus did for you. Um, there's time for everything. And so, like Hudson's saying, don't think you have to have per- perfect circumstances in order to share the gospel. Like, do what you're called to do regardless of situation. Yeah, and like you said, like, there's time to build relationship, but like on the front end, you should in some capacity kind of share the gospel because I, I think it just brings in a lot of pride and a lot of um, like you're never sure how much time you're going to have with that person. And so it's kind of prideful to be like, oh, I have this this amount of time. And so I have this window to work within to get them to where I want to share the gospel with them. Like you don't know. You don't even know if they're going to be there tomorrow. And so it, it just it gets a little cloudy of like. It is situational, but I just want to be really careful that you don't just take too much time and then never share it, or you take too much time and all of a sudden they're out of your life, and, I mean, what can you do? Yeah. Um, um, just to get back to the question, like, just kindness and love goes a long way. You never know what somebody's gone through when it just comes to, like, the church or believers. I feel like you turn every corner and somebody that you're talking to has, like, quote-unquote, what's it called, church trauma, church religion hurt. trauma. I don't know. You don't know that. You don't know what somebody's gone through. And maybe you're the only positive, kind, loving Christian influence they've had in their life. And you you just have no idea. So love, kindness, treat people with kindness, you know, Harry Styles, Harry Styles. just treat people with kindness. Except uh, no, except <laughs> not Harry Styles, but Jesus, Jesus, find your kindness through Jesus. But I mean, it just goes a long way. So yeah. Um, great point. I think it all, it all comes back to love and kindness and um, in, in what Hudson's saying, that is love. Um, I think when you're building relationships, it should always be founded on, well, if you're, it's a discipleship relationship, like it needs to start with the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to start with, I am a believer. This is what I believe. Um, and, and go from there. Like relationship building as a believer should be founded on Christ. Um and we're supposed to reflect him in literally everything we do. And so, yeah, he's, he makes a good point. Don't, don't assume you have three months to build a relationship with someone in order to share the gospel. Like they could very easily, we live in a, a dangerous world. They could very easily as harsh it is, as, as dark as it is, die tomorrow. And if you've missed out on an opportunity to share the gospel, they're lost for eternity. And so awesome. that's scary. Also like one more little rabbit trail. Um, Living in the Bible Belt, I don't know. I, I feel like everybody knows what Bible Belt is. Um, a lot of people that you're going to come in contact with, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but quite a few people, like either on your campus or honestly just even in your church, they know the Bible through and through. They've been raised in a church. They've been raised with Christian influences. And there's a huge chunk that do not believe or truly have a relationship with Christ, even though they know the Bible through and through. Um, so I think that also comes with this too, is 
sharing the gospel is very important, but when somebody already believes or thinks that they know the gospel, but truly don't have a relationship yet, it gets a little more, it gets a little more uh, difficult to share the gospel. So I do think that's where like just being a good Christian influence and being a, just a good influence in their life can open up doors where people are like, well, maybe I, be- I believe that Jesus is the son of God, but I don't really know um, how to like live a life like that. Or I, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. That opens up doors, that opens up conviction. So I think that's really important to remember too, especially living, you know, where there's a church on every single corner. Yeah, that might be an entirely, um, our next podcast mm-hmm. topic is how do you share the gospel with people who think they're believers yeah and i have one more thing because thank you guys for saying harry his his uh his thing is like treat people with kindness and that made me think like yes kindness and love go a far way but kindness doesn't save people the gospel does because harry styles his his whole thing is treat people with kindness but do we see harry styles him being kind and does that lead us to the gospel no in the same way people are not going to see a believer being kind like, sure, that might lead them towards the gospel, but your kindness is not going to save them. You actually vocalizing the gospel is what's going to put the gospel out there. And so I just want I just want to reiterate, like, kindness isn't enough. You have to put words to that kindness. You have to put the gospel to that kindness because kindness does not save people. Let me be clear. I was not saying Harry Styles is... No, but I think that just pointed out like a lot of believers really do think me being a nice person is enough to be a witness and save people. First of all, you're not saving people, but second of all, kindness is not enough. Like if you're not putting words to those actions. Well, I would say that sure, worldly kindness, not just being nice, but I think from a Christian perspective, like me being kind is providing a key to your soul being lost forever. Um a path to salvation that Jesus has given me. I'm sharing that with you. And so my kindness is sharing the gospel. My kindness is loving others through yeah. like Christ. Would. Yeah. I, th- I know that's what you're saying. Yeah. Um, like Harry Styles kindness, is not going to do anything for everybody or for anyone. Um, gospel driven kindness, Christ centered kindness can be a key in, yeah, in it's centered on the gospel. Yeah. Any, any fruit of the spirit is all centered on the gospel. And so, um, yeah, Harry, sorry, we love you, but man, listen to find Jesus, find Jesus, please. Um, please <laughs> Lauren, um, would propose on the spot if you, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Imagine Harry Styles starts like singing worship, like doing worship music. Oh, I mean, honestly, dream. honestly, I'd be, I'd be the first one to download the album. I'd be on Spotify immediately. Um, but yeah, anyways. <laughs> okay, we need to get on to next This way. is not a Harry Styles <laughs> podcast. That's we're filming that tomorrow actually. Um no, our fan account. I will not yeah. be a part of that. Hudson Hudson's a closet fan of Harry Styles. He says he doesn't like him, but I promise it, you no. if you're with him, he will nine times out of ten, ten be humming or singing a Harry Styles. Literally song. you could play any song and he would know every lyric, but no, he's not a fan. He's not a fan. He's not true. he's not a Harry it fan. It for sure is true. He just doesn't want to admit it. He he's he's on his his hill and he's gonna die on it, but that's okay. Amen, as long as he's listening, that's cool. Anyways, last question we've got for you guys because this is getting this is getting long, but that's okay. We haven't been here in a while. Um, last question. This is probably the most like we got two, more. two more. Yep. What's uh? Oh yeah. Then, um. Yeah. What, what 
Okay, let's get through this. Let's get through this. The next to last question is, how do I help a believer struggling struggling with their sexual identity? Um, I'll, I'll kick this one off. The first thing I would say, if if a if you're sure that they're a believer and they have come to you with this, they have shared this sin struggle with you. Um, my advice, my guidance would be that they know this is not good. They know this is not something they should be um, partaking in. They know that it's a sin struggle that they have in their life. And so um, it's not your job to convict them or to condemn them, um, especially if they've come to you as a believer with this sin struggle. Um, my, my straightforward guidance would be to point them towards Scripture, hold them accountable in their sin struggle, um, always, always, always point them back towards scripture, um, and then hold them accountable because in any sin struggle, whether it's sexually, sexual immorality, sexual identity, whatever it may be, like accountability is huge. Um, I had, I, I knew a guy that went to college a little bit before I did. Um, I didn't really know him, but I heard of it. I heard his story at tech. He struggled with, um, bisexuality as a believer, like he had same sex attraction. Um, but the difference in his same sex attraction and someone who is not a believer is he recognized this is a sinful thought. This is a sinful, um, uh, a push to, to go towards a sinful thing. And he recognized that and he sought accountability and he sought guidance and discipleship and wisdom in that. And I haven't, I don't know if he's still struggling with that today, but it's just like anything else. He recognized the sin in his life and did everything he could to combat that. And so you can be that accountability. You can be that guidance for someone that's struggling with this because there are believers who struggle with same-sex attraction. There are believers who struggle with um, sexual immorality and and things along that nature, especially in the world we live in. It's pushed so heavily um, that it's probably even harder for them to deal with and, and combat. And so my advice would just be love them first and foremost, point them back towards the gospel. As we've said a hundred times before, point them towards scripture and hold them accountable and, and be a friend, um, be a, be a, someone they can lean into and lean on that pushes them back towards Christ. Um, yeah, I think that's just a simple, simple answer, but Lauren, you want to add something? Um, I mean, let's just start out with Romans 14 pretty much says, well, it does say, each one should be fully convicted in his own mind. You are not made to be other people's conviction. Um, you can always uh, tell them when they're doing something wrong or if you believe that they're doing something against God's word, but you're not made to feel their conviction for them. And sometimes it's difficult when you have a close friend who's struggling with, um, you know, like a season of sin, like something that's constant, something that's, you know, going on daily. Um, to take that on yourself and then try to be co- a conviction for them or try to try to do that for them. And that's just not how that works. Um, I think the best thing you can do is what Josh was saying, you know, obviously make it known, encourage them. If they're not acting on it, if they're not doing anything, like that's encouraging. That shows that they're in the word, they're, they're combating this. Like you be a helpful hand, be there for them, encourage them. It's a big deal. Um, but then also, I think it's important to, um, well, I lost my train of thought. It happens. Oh yeah. I lost my train of thought. Um, pray for them. Literally just pray for them. You, the power of prayer is like insane. And I think sometimes we want instant, you know, instant, I feel not instant gratification. Yeah. An instant fix, you know, 
but the power of prayer is so real um praying for them praying for their struggles praying just for their mindset um can do i think more than just sitting there telling them the same thing over and over again you know yeah so um yeah and i think i think this is a completely different ball game if this person is like living in unrepentant sin and they are acting on their um issues with their sexual identity um giving in to those sinful desires whatever it may be then we're we're in a completely different ballpark mm-hmm. and that's when um you may be called to hold the, like judge them you may be called to hold them accountable and mm-hmm. and uh call out their sin um but that's that's if i think the question was a, a believer struggling with sexual identity so i think we could probably dive into that more maybe on a separate podcast um but yeah it's a completely different ball game if if the person is unrepentant in that sin yeah um y'all did a really good job of answering that and i think a helpful way to look at it because i feel like we get cold feet as as a church we get cold feet on stuff like this sometimes because there's so much opposition to maybe what we have to say on the topic and just because just because of that other side that might have a lot of opposition to what we have to say because obviously we we say it's a sin if you act on that that doesn't mean we have to treat this any differently than any other sin like i can just think of the sin struggles in my life i appreciate when somebody calls it out but if i saw these people take josh for example he knows what i'm struggling with if i see josh and every time i see him he reminds me of my sin struggle and he reminds me like, Hey man, you really need to stop doing blah, blah, blah. Like I already know that I'm already convicted in my own heart. Like it's already a process, but like for him to say that every time is for him to create a wedge between us. And so like, sure, if I'm in a really, really bad place and I'm acting on it consistently and he sees me being unrepentant in that, I want him to call me out. Like I might not want it in the moment, but I'll appreciate it um, in hindsight. But say I'm doing better and then he just brings it up again like hey man this is something you've struggled with in the past like that's not helpful to me at all and that just creates a wedge in between us and so I think we need to um just just be close to them encourage them not to act on it like be there for them but if you see them not not repenting if you see them just indulging in this time and time again like call them out just like any other sin we don't have to get cold feet because it's controversial yeah that's good Um, yeah, that was really good. Uh, I think we had into the last question. We answered this pretty quickly because we don't want to bore people, which I hope you guys aren't bored, but this is the last question. It's probably the most deep, like theologically, like one of those that really doesn't matter, um, in the grand scheme of salvation, but we can answer it. Um, the question is, where did Jesus go when he died? When he died on the cross in those three days, where did he go? Um, we're not talking about his physical body because yeah. we obviously know it went into Joseph's tomb. So. Where did, where did, yes, Jesus' body was buried in a tomb. Where did he go as far as his non-physical body? Um, Man, this is a question, again, we answer questions on this podcast all the time that don't have any effect on your salvation, um, but it's something that you can have an opinion on. Um, yeah, Lauren just whispered and it, it threw me off track. Um, that's okay though. <laughs> um, anyways, so basically with this, I think we have to recognize that there, 
um, in in Hebrew, there's a place called Sheol, and in the New Testament, it's referred to as Hades. Um, and so, what we usually refer to as hell, man, I'm trying to like be super careful with this. What we usually refer to as hell isn't this all-encompassing um, thing as far as the history of Christianity and, and the Bible, the Old Testament. Um, basically, Sheol is a place that's separated by a chasm. You have the um, unrepentant believers, people who never came to know Christ, people who didn't um, before Christ came were not, um, did not place their faith in God. Unrepentant believers, I think you meant to say something else. What did I mean to say? People. Unrepentant people. Those are two yeah, people. believers. <laughs> They're not believers. People who were not believers that were also unrepentant. Yeah. People who did never place their faith in the Lord. Um, there's a chasm that separates those from what's called Abraham's bosom, um, which every time I say that, <laughs> Lauren giggles, and that's it. That's okay. <laughs> Um, it's called Abraham's bosom where the saints were, um, the saints who did place their faith in the Lord and the righteous, the, the, the believers. Um, um, so when Christ died, I do believe he did go into Sheol and he did take the people of Abraham's bosom. Paul says in Ephesians four, nine, he writes in saying he ascended. What does it mean? But that he had also descended until into the lower regions of the earth. So I think right there, um, Jesus did descend into Sheol, did descend into Hades um, to gather the saints. Um, and what is referred to in Revelation as a second death does come for those who um, aren't believers. There is a second death, the lake of fire, eternal torment that came after Jesus's death and resurrection. Um that people now who are not believers will suffer that eternal torment. And so this is a really deep theological question that I don't think we'll really ever know exactly how it played out, exactly what it looked like until we reach glory. And, um, but I do believe the answer is yes, Jesus did after he died go to Sheol. Not that he was sent to hell. Like I said, there's a chasm separates the good from the bad. And he went there to gather the saints and, um, yeah, this question, it's, we could spend a long time on this. And to be honest, it's like the first time I've ever really looked into this, but now I know why, because it's just one of those questions that like, if you're bored one day, sure. Look into it. But like, what significance does this hold for us as believers? I mean, it's always great to look into these deep theological questions, but like, is us knowing that there's Abraham's bosom and that there's Sheol really affect our salvation here on earth? No, it's a really cool thing to think about. I'm even a little bit confused because, I mean, Lauren has a verse that talks about him. Um, I'll read that in a second. Yeah, it talks about him witnessing to the unrepentant people of Noah's time. And so why would he be witnessing to the unrepentant? Shouldn't they be in the wicked part of hell and not in the righteous part? Like, I was just really confused. Like, did he preach to all the people but then there's a little excerpt in her bible that says like this would contradict it's it's just really confusing to think about and i haven't even looked into it enough to give you a definite answer it's cool to look into if you're bored one day and you really just want to destroy your brain sit there with a question for hours go for it but uh, now i know why i've never really looked into this um i'm gonna read it 
two verses and these are like the two perspectives like some people think no absolutely not uh jesus went straight to heaven um and he did he would never go down to i guess what most people would like refer to as hell not the two places what, yeah. but when people that think that he went straight to heaven it's not that big a deal now that i'm saying it but um and then there's other people that think that he went to hell and talked to the unrighteous. So I'm going to read those two, those two verses. And it said, for Christ, okay, this is First Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the righteous, for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. This is the part. So he says, after he, you know, died in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited on the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through water. So that's talking about, that's a verse that some people would refer to as him going down to um, hell and talking to the um, unrighteous. But it actually does go against scripture in Luke. So I'm going to read it over here in Luke where people believe that he went straight to heaven. And a lot of people say that when Jesus is on the cross and he's, you know, talking to the prisoners next to him and one of them becomes a believer and he says, um, he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then Jesus says to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. A lot of people are like, oh, nope. He says me, you'll be with me in paradise today. Like he's going to heaven. But we actually talked about it and like, that could be referred to as like father, you know, like father God or father, you know what I'm saying? Like it could be God the father or, you know, Jesus, you know, he could be either one. And so just because it says you'll be with me in paradise today does not mean it's that it's Jesus that he's talking. Like you'll be with Jesus today because Jesus and God, you know, Trinity. So <laughs> I think that's important to know both like kind of sides of it, but it is really, it is really deep. Like I, haven't really thought about it that much just because again like I don't feel like it really affects the gospel in any way but it's really cool to think about and to look into if you are again bored but yeah it's really crazy yeah I have a question I don't know if we should hash out you should talk into the mic no I have a question so like before Christ died on the cross like to be considered righteous you had to make sacrifices right yeah Okay, so, okay, so everyone in, like, the righteous, so if, if you had kept up with your sacrifices, repented, um, why would, why would you not just go to heaven if you had been repentant and done your sacrifices as you should? Because Jesus was the way to heaven. Okay. Um, so the same faith, this is, this is a completely different, the same faith that we had was the same faith that Abraham had or Moses or Joshua, whoever, but it's a, uh, how do I put it? It's a faith in what's to come, the promises of God. Um, and so Jesus was that, um, all atoning sacrifice for those believers in order for them to, um, reach heaven. And so before that, before Jesus' sacrifice, they were placing faith in that promise that God made um, to atone for sin, to provide that pathway to heaven. And so this is another really deep theological question that I don't really think we have time to get into, but just know that like the same faith Abraham have is the same faith we have. It's just at different points in Jesus's, because um, Jesus was and is and is to come. And so from the beginning of time, he is who he is. 
but the sacrifice that he made is the pathway. That actually makes sense because now that I'm thinking about like when he talks to the disciples and he says like, I'm preparing a place for you. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm preparing a place for you. He doesn't say I have a place for you prepared. Yeah. And so like that does show that it's just, it was kind of confusing me because I was thinking like Jesus didn't abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. So if they followed the same law that we're now following in Jesus, why wouldn't we all go straight to heaven? But that actually makes sense. Like he was preparing that place in heaven mind-boggling also, yeah also when he says no one comes to the father except through me he's not meaning from that point i said it on he means no one like nobody will go to the father except through me yeah it's so. it's um again one of those things i don't think we'll ever fully understand until we get there yeah like um, why like why why have a place in sheol what? <laughs> well i think i think that's the issue like sheol hades is considered like in the same it's basically a translation of the grave. And so it's not, it's not this fiery place that we, we, I know, but it's a place devoid of Yahweh. So it feels like that is worse. That's also, I don't know if that's true. Um, but again, (laughs) it's a different, different podcast. Um, that's another thing that I've had discussions with people on anyways. Um, too deep to get into right like i said i literally just started like looking into this this morning so some of my thoughts are very fresh yeah um but yeah if you this is a this is probably our longest podcast um but it's good because we had a bunch of questions built up and i'm excited for you guys to hear um your questions answered if you made it this far thank you so much Um, we love you we do we love you if you bought our merch we love you even more you're so special (laughs) to us double love you're um you're the favorite child um no i'm kidding we love everybody that listens to it you're able not kane yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyways um, josh gives me so many disappointed looks per week i didn't even give you a disappointed look there i was just like i tried time i would be a rich man oh my gosh maybe you should work on that (laughs) no i'm kidding hudson's great he just I don't even I try to be funny and they don't land sometimes okay I said this the other day Hudson will tell 10 jokes no we'll say 100 jokes 92 of them won't land but that 8 that do I thrive on those man he runs on that he runs on that 8 that's his fuel 8% he goes you know what good for him we love Huddy he's truly a a light for us even though sometimes you just have to tell him like hey he says some nuts Thanks, be quiet for, sure. for a little bit <laughs> um no again thank you guys thank you to lauren for coming or sorry lauren lauren for coming in and stepping in for emma um we'll have to have you back for sure you did a yeah. great job i had a really good time i was really nervous y'all i was really 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 nervous she was so nervous that she spilled her drink all over the coffee shop embarrassing it was really embarrassing actually but i was really nervous but this was really fun and it honestly pushed me to look into some things I would never have looked into. So, yeah, loved it. Yeah, she did a great job. Um, I don't have anything else if you guys don't. Um, we'll be back hopefully soon. No promises, obviously. <laughs> 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 no, really, I think getting back into school and just a routine of, of things being more, um, I just completely, more like, scheduled out we'll probably be able to record a little bit better a little bit more consistently maybe hopefully uh, don't take a word for that because we said that about the summer test it against scripture they said that <laughs> every podcast <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding thank you guys for listening this is the we might have answers podcast we'll be back hopefully soon and hudson's about to do his thing you the it. outro do do do
That was a good Andy. podcast. That was really good. Emma's being replaced. That was fun. <laughs>